Well, good morning, everyone, once again. And I hope you were able to follow that theme of living water in our liturgy of the word today. In that first reading, we heard the Israelites complaining to Moses. They said, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? And then, of course, in today's beautiful gospel with the Samaritan woman, this woman coming to the well at an odd time of the day when there weren't other women around because she was a woman of ill repute and she didn't want to suffer the gossip of the other women at the well. But Jesus knew exactly when she would be there. How many of you have seen this episode of The Chosen? Okay, many of you. So if you haven't been watching The Chosen, please do so. It's really good. It's really good. And this episode, if you've seen it, really helps you to imagine what this conversation would have looked like and just how touching it was, how transforming it was. You know that I promised to reference the catechism this year whenever I get a chance to come up here. And so I wanted to read from number 694 of the catechism. This is under that first part, what we believe, and this is specifically referring to the Holy Spirit, number 694. Symbols of the Holy Spirit. The very first one referenced is water. The symbolism of water signifies the Holy Spirit's action in baptism, since after the invocation of the Holy Spirit, it becomes the efficacious sacramental sign of new birth. Just as the generation of our first birth took place in water, so the water of baptism truly signifies that our birth into the divine life is given to us in the Holy Spirit. It's really important that we recognize that this new life is given to us. It's a gift. As by one spirit we were all baptized, so we are also made to drink of one spirit. Thus, the spirit is also personally the living water welling up from Christ crucified as its source and welling up in us to eternal life. As Deacon started reading the gospel and I found myself standing there beneath the cross, I was just imagining taking a shower in that living water, in that precious blood that flowed from his pierced side. So Jesus is the source of this living water, and it is the Holy Spirit poured out for us. And I think Paul did a great job today in that second reading in his letter to the Romans explaining how this works. He says, since we have been justified by faith, 
Not faith alone, but we've been justified by faith, not works. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand and we boast in hope of the glory of God. You know that that word glory has been on my heart a lot this year as well. So Paul is being very clear here that we're justified by faith. That is, we are made right with God, by God, and through God, and in God. It's a Trinitarian work. It's not our work. It's the Father claiming us through the Son in the Spirit. That's what happened at baptism. When you were baptized, the Father said, this one is mine. He or she belongs to me. And I'm claiming you through my Son, who became flesh, in the Holy Spirit, whom we poured out for the sanctification of the world. For the sanctification of the world. He shed his blood to save us. Okay? There's the difference. He shed his blood to save us, but then he poured out the Holy Spirit to glorify you. To have you share in his divine life. And God invites you to claim that. He wants you to know his heart. If you knew The gift of God, he said to the Samaritan woman today. You would have asked him for a drink, and he would have given you living water. So it's true, we we do struggle with knowing the gift of God, with knowing the heart of God. But Jesus is constantly trying to reveal that heart to us all throughout the history of the church. By his becoming flesh, by his being born of Mary, he was really trying to show people who God really was and what he was all about. But then all throughout the history of the church, you can think of different apparitions, different revelations, private revelations, but approved by the church to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, where he revealed his sacred heart. And more recently, something that's become very dear to many of you, the divine mercy message and revelation that he revealed to St. Faustina and that now Pope St. John Paul II put a stamp of approval on. And we, we hear from Jesus himself how his heart aches to be known He thirsts for us. What was he really thirsting for there? When he asked the Samaritan woman for a drink, what was he really thirsting for? Her faith. Her trust. And remember, this is is John writing this, right? And so when do we hear that word thirst again? Jesus himself, right? On the cross, one of the last things he said was, I thirst. Was he thirsty? Of course he was. You could even say he was dying of thirst. Both 
literally and figuratively, spiritually, dying of thirst, dying of thirst for our faith, for our devotion. Why? Because he wanted to save us. And he knew that our salvation hinged to some degree on our faith, on our believing. That's why baptism is the doorway to this life of grace, to this friendship with God. That's why baptism is so important. It's the doorway by which we receive this new life. We are born again in the order of grace. I like to joke, there is a new world order out there for you conspiracy theorists, right? There is a new world order. It's the order of grace. And Jesus is the author of the new world order. Let's see if we have another number here. I thought this one was quite provocative. This is under how we worship. So part two of the catechism, number 1137. The book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, of St. John, read in the church's liturgy, first reveals to us a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, the Lord God. It then shows the Lamb standing as though it had been slain, Christ crucified and risen, the one high priest of the true sanctuary, the same one who offers and is offered who gives and is given by the Father. Finally, it presents the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, one of the most beautiful symbols of the Holy Spirit. The river of the water of life flowing from God's throne in heaven down to earth. And where does that water, so to speak, flow? Right here. Right here. You might say this is like a well right here, the altar. We could think of the altar as the well to which we come to, to receive that living water. Holy communion. God literally giving himself to us. Because he wants that kind of connection. He wants that kind of intimacy, that kind of friendship with each and every one of you. No one's excluded from that. Nobody is excluded from that. But I think so often we put an emphasis on what we do. In other words, our behavior, we focus so much on our behavior And we recognize that we often fall short. We don't live up to this standard, these expectations. And so then we feel bad. We can even be ashamed of ourselves. Was Jesus ashamed of that woman today? I don't think so. Was he wagging his finger in her face? I don't think so. Did she know better? Yeah. Of course she did. But what did she need? What do we need? 
We need that connection with the Lord and that living water. We need his affirmation. We need to know his heart for us. And as we come to know his heart for us, we are drawn to that. And we realize that he cherishes us. He embraces us and he cherishes us and he affirms us and he blesses us. He holds nothing back. He holds nothing back. What is the limiting factor in your relationship with God? It's you. (laughs) And that's not a bad thing. It's not that God blames you for that. It's just a reality. Whoever loves less in any relationship controls the relationship. So obviously we love less in our relationship with God. So we're the limiting factor. But God works with us. He doesn't blame us for that. He doesn't hold that against us. In his mercy, he knows that we are limited, that we're broken, that we're wounded. But he meets us right there. And he asks us to believe, to believe in his goodness, in his kindness, and in his mercy. So as we sang in the psalm today, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And you know what? We can't soften our own hearts. Oh, if I just, you know, gave up more chocolate or more wine or more coffee, then maybe I'll have a softer heart. It doesn't work that way. Right? It's his grace. It's his power, his presence, his love and mercy. It's that living water. It's the Holy Spirit that we have to ask for over and over again. That's what softens our hearts. Not our works, but our faith, inviting God's grace to come on in. Lord, have your way. Let that be your prayer today and every day. Lord, have your way with me. Let it be done to me according to your word. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Increase my faith in your goodness, in your desire to give me a drink and help me to drink with all kinds of faith and hope and love and gratitude for the new life that you have won for me and that you give to me, not because of what I do, but just because of who I am a child of God. Amen.